Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of LGBTQ+. Let's get behind the questions. Before we start, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands on which this podcast is being recorded, and wherever you may be listening today, and pay my respects to Elders past, present, and emerging. I'd also like to pay tribute to our First Nations LGBTQ plus communities as well. So today we are continuing our latest mini-series where we're talking to some of our own Woolies team members and getting to know our fabulous little community. Yes, we are, Nicholas. Today we are turning our attention to getting to know Susan Mosey from our Dan Murphy's business, who identifies as a bi woman. Oh, yes, that's right. Now, in case our listeners aren't aware, although I'm really not sure how you could have missed it because she says it every episode, you also identify as a bi woman, Nick. Yes, I do, you cheeky little thing. You are correct. Yeah, so back in episode four where we spoke to Chris from Pride and Diversity and we learned about the gay alphabet. Do you remember that? It was many moons ago now. Oh, too many moons ago now. It feels like it was a whole year ago. Now, in that episode, we spoke about people who identify as bi. Now, in all honesty, I'd never met an openly bi person until I met you, but I'm sure there's heaps out there. Well, I hope so, but I do agree with you on that point there, Nick. Even though I identify as an openly bi person, which all my family and friends are aware of, Mm. I myself don't even actually know that many openly bi people. In fact, I only know two to be exact, excluding myself, that is. Right, right, okay. Now, I'm curious, though. So growing up, I always remember there were common assumptions made about people who were were bi, um, and just a couple of them were oh, they just haven't made up their mind yet, or, God, they've got a lot of people to choose from, don't they? Um, So tell me, do you get those things? You know, are they common assumptions that uh, that people make of you as a bi person? Yes, funny that you mentioned that because I think that those two kind of lines are probably some of the most common things that I would hear. Um, It's very interesting because overall I think that bisexuality is often over-sexualized, fetishized or portrayed as being just a phase in, you know, in the media, in society. Mm -hmm. And I think it's these types of common assumptions and stereotypes that really contribute to the bi-visibility issues that we have or the culture of bi-erasure. Oh, Lordy. Okay, there's a word I don't really know what it means. So can you please tell me and our listeners, um, because they're very big words for our podcast, what does bi-erasure mean? Of course, Dal. You know me. I'll do anything to help you on this journey. Um, Essentially, it's the concept that the existence or legitimacy of bisexuality is questioned or denied outright. So people just simply believe it's it's not true, it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, saying things like, oh, this is just a phase or, oh, you'll make up your mind eventually, those types of common assumptions, those types of sayings, and specifically saying that to a person who identifies as being bi, that whole is contributing to the concept of, of the culture of bi-erasure, basically erasing bisexuality. Yeah, okay. So it's kind of like people dismissing bisexuality as being a legitimate sexuality and just sort of saying it's somewhere in between, you know, being gay and being a lesbian, for example. 
Absolutely correct, yeah. And as we know, the dismissiveness like, and the sense of dismissiveness often comes from a lack of education, understanding or awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's these types of comments and the stigma around these types of comments that actually stop people from being openly bi or being confident in their bisexuality. Because, you know, these types of Um, stereotypes can cause people to question their own sexuality or it might cause them to be afraid of coming out because they feel like then they won't be openly accepted because it's you know people have these views on it yeah and you know even within the lgbtq plus community in our history there's actually been you know this sense of discrimination and stigma against bi people where you know this concept of that we're we're too gay to be straight and we're too straight to be gay, essentially. Yeah, I think that's a good point because I think I don't even think it's just in the history. I think it still happens a lot today, right? Um, so, for example, like if I'm having a conversation with my, um, you know, my gay male friends, I'll still often hear things which could sort of fall into that category of bi-erasure. Like, um, you know, some of those things around not being, you know, not being able to make up their mind and that sort of stuff. Um, so I still think we have a lot to learn both within our own community and, and you know, of course, in society more broadly well lucky that's what we're here to do we're here to spread the word create education and awareness on all matters lgbtq plus i know you took the word straight out of my mouth right there you know well i'm sure the people have heard enough from you and i now dolls so how about we bring on susan who can provide us with some more insight into what it's like to be a bi person so let's welcome susan onto the podcast hello susan come on down Hey guys, thanks for having me. Thank you Very for joining excited. us. Now, Susan, we always like to start our podcast with a little bit of consistency and we start with the same question for all of our guests. So please tell us, who is Susan? Uh, I am a store manager for Dan Murphy's. I've been with them for about 10 years. I turned 40 in February. I had a huge 80s party. It was amazing. And just before everything shut down, so... Glad I got to sneak that in. Uh, I am a single mother by choice. I have a two-year-old named Fox. I identify as a bi woman and my pronouns are she and her. Now, can we just go back to you being a store manager at Dan Murphy? So that is hashtag dream job for me. Um, how, (laughs) How is that? Do you love it? I do. It's fun. I have a team of about 20 people, so my day changes pretty often it's hard to predict what it's going to be like especially in these strange times mm-hmm. but I, I enjoy what we do I enjoy the culture within Dan's I enjoy the people that I work with um yeah it's a lot of fun it'd be like a kid working in a toy store wouldn't it <laughs> I would just be so excited going to work every day. so you can't drink on the job can you no you can't we can taste but you have to yeah. spit it out that's just a tease isn't it you just get a little sample and then you've got to it's just a waste to me. Spit it right back out. Um, so, Susan, interesting fact about you, you are a part-time store manager um, at Dan Murphy's, which I think is just an amazing example of bringing to life flexibility. So we were wondering um, why why does part-time work for you? What was your um, decision around, you know, your choice around making that? Well, I came back from maternity leave in January last year. I originally came back for three days a week uh, and then over Christmas I went up to four and I've stayed at four. Um, 
it it's good to have a day off in the middle of the week with my son just to spend a bit of time together and refresh and then back to work for another two days. Weirdly, I'm, I think I'm pretty sure when I came back I was only the second one in the country. Oh, wow. But there's now, there's quite a few of us now, which is good. Um, they're kind of working on building a framework to make it more of a, make it doable for more people. Which That's is really exciting. good. Yeah, yeah. Hello. Um, you mentioned you're a single mum by choice. Firstly, how on earth do you do it? Like working <laughs> and, and he, what is he too, you said? Two, yeah. So tell us a bit about your journey um, to become a mother. Um, how do I do it first? Uh, it really depends on day by day. I feel like, um, at the moment I've been working from home with COVID and now I'm back in the store. It's taken a bit of readjusting, but we've just got our, our routine down pat and we go with it. It is what it is. I feel like if you weren't, if you were used to doing it with someone else, it would be much harder to do it on your own, but Mm. we've been on our own from the beginning and it works for us. I've got good support around me too, which is nice. It helps, yeah. Yeah. And then as far as getting to this point, I decided about four years ago that I wanted to have a child. I didn't really want to settle for being in a relationship just for the sake of being in a relationship. I hadn't found someone that I was wanted to do it with, so I decided to do it on my own. Mm-hmm. So first I went to South America for nine months and went How to you Yeah. And then I came back and started looking at donor options. So I have a a sperm donor and did IVF and the whole bit and now I have a two-year-old. Okay, well, I think that you are absolutely inspiring, Susan, just going (laughs) after your dreams and what you wanted to do because I think it's very interesting because a lot of the time, even though LGBTQ people don't subscribe to the quote-unquote traditional family, I do still think that people often associate becoming a parent as an activity that you you do with someone else and it's about like a partnership. But like I just love how you're flipping that on its head and, and feeling mm-hmm. like, you know, that's you don't have to wait for that opportunity. You're going after what you want. I was wondering if you have found there to be any additional challenges or perhaps unique challenges by being a single LGBTQ plus mum. Um, I wouldn't say that extra challenges. If anything, I've probably found added support. I'm lucky to have other LGBTQ people around me who are also open to the idea of less traditional families who see my family as just as valuable and just as real and all of those things. So it's nice to have a lot of support in that fact. I also have two really good um, lesbian friends who have two children who went ahead of me. So that was really helpful through the IVF process to have people around me who had done it before. So I think if anything, it's got more of a sense of community by having other kids like that. And it means that Fox will also grow up having other children in his life who also have donor parents, Mm. maybe not having a single mother, but other kids who have got the same challenges around what it means to be a donor-conceived child and, you know, whatever challenges come from that. So, yeah, good. good. I'd say it's been a positive experience. So earlier I was talking to Nick about um, some common misconceptions um, around um, bi people. 
uh, and the, the common um, misconceptions and assumptions people make around bi people. Um, so some of them I, I mentioned were, oh, she just hasn't made up her mind yet. Um, you know, they've got so many people to choose from. Um, have you experienced any of these um, identifying as a bi person? Probably not so much now. I think one, I've been out for a very long time and most people around me already know that. Uh, but early on, especially when I first started coming out with my girlfriend at the time, the, the general perception from our mutual friends were that, was that she's a lesbian and I was just experimenting or going through a phase. They were right, she's a lesbian. <laughs> um, but uh, that was hurtful at the time because I was very much in love with her and I was it wasn't a phase for me, um, even though I have almost exclusively dated men since then, it kind of devalued what my relationship with her was a little bit. Um, but I, I don't feel like I get that so often now. Yeah, I, I've had this conversation before, Susan. I think it's quite interesting that... It's hard to for bi people to be visible unless we're talking about it and we're shouting out about it because if I'm in a relationship, like there's assumptions made, right? If you're in a relationship within a woman, when you just look at that, okay, they're lesbians. If you're in a relationship with a man and you just look at that, okay, they're straight people. So it's really hard for bi people to be visible by people. 100%. And I, um, I ended up working in my early 20s. I worked in a gay bar on Oxford Street for a number of years and I ended up dating a guy that I worked with who also identified as a bi person. And we found that we often had to censor ourselves in gay spaces because for other people we appeared to be a straight couple. Mm. And even though straight people were very much uh, welcomed into those spaces, there was kind of a feeling of, um, you can go and be straight anywhere, why flaunt it in our space? Mm. And even though the two of us felt like we very much belonged in that space, there was definitely times where we didn't feel particularly welcome. Mm. So then I guess on that question, Susan, because there's a, there's a piece around, you know, straight people or heterosexual people being allies to bi people, but there's also a piece around other LGBTQ plus people being allies to bisexual people. So what do you think that people can do to be better allies to bisexual people? I think it's just being open to whoever being in your space. Like um, you don't know where other people are on their journey. You don't know other people's relationships. So I guess it's just being open and accepting of of everyone belongs here and whether it's at work or in a bar or whatever it is, um, whatever you happen to be, welcome and let's have a drink. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I heard a rumour that you are celebrating your 10-year service anniversary with Woolies this year. Is that correct? I am. I you am. don't look old enough to be working here for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Um, yeah, I'll be 10 years at the end of this year. Unfortunately for me, I took a few career breaks in that time, so I'm still a bit a little while off long service leave. Oh, no. Which I don't regret, except I would like long service. <laughs> what are you going to plan to do with the long service? I don't know. What I would really like to do is buy an RV and go across Canada and the States with Fox. Oh, well, you're not going anywhere near those countries at the moment. In no, this no, I've got time. <laughs> I've got time. 
<laughs> so over your 10-year career um, with Woolies, Susan, I'm sure that there's been a lot of changes that you've seen. I mean, there's just a significant amount of changes that happen in one year alone, let alone 10 years. So I'm wondering that when you first started with the company, what was it like for you or how did it feel to be an LGBTQ person at Woolworths, say, 10 years ago? Uh, I was lucky. I started working for Dan's in one of the city stores. So I think as soon as I started, I had LGBTQ people around me. Um, I knew from the beginning, my store manager in the beginning, I actually used to serve him and his wife in the gay bar that I'd worked before I worked for Dan's. So I was never under any impression that he had an issue with anything. Uh, So I think I was lucky in that sense. I certainly... Um, I'm seeing, um, particularly over the last even year, uh, there's a lot of policies and things we're now starting to recognise um, trans people, non-binary people, um, and really starting to make an effort to include beyond LGB, but really getting out into the broader community and being welcoming to everyone. And I think that's more recent. So you joined the Proud Committee this year, Um, so welcome. Um, We love having you. Um, Tell us, why did you join the committee? So what was your motivation to do that? Uh, I wanted to make sure that there was someone from Dan's representing us in the the group, Uh, and that was my main thing. I didn't really know what they were doing or what it was about, so I just wanted to put my hand up and get involved. I hear that you've got a fabulous squad leader, um, Susan. Is that correct? (laughs) I do. That would be you. You (laughs) And may I say that you are a fabulous member of our training and education squad. So thank you so much for joining us. Um, I like that squad. I think it's very Taylor Swift having a squad. But a squad. Not only do we have a squad inside of the squad, we have mini squads as well. We're all about it. It's all very squatty. Um, why do you think like LGBTQ plus networks like Proud are important in businesses? In a big corporation, especially something as big as Woolworths, I think it would be so easy to just have a couple of documents away, filed away somewhere that say that we care about these things and we believe in diversity and inclusion and stuff, but not to have any action behind it. And having a committee like the Proud Committee, it is made up of a pretty diverse group of people from all different banners who are coming together weekly, fortnightly, whatever we're doing on our different squads, um, who are actually putting action, who are putting action behind what we're talking about. Um, We're talking about from the very start of the recruitment process to training people who have been in the company for 25 years talking about things like um, safe spaces and um, our regional stores and kind of really trying to reach as many different people as we can. Um, I think that's really exciting. So on the topic of reaching as many people as we can, um, this podcast, um, you know, has a lot of uh, people listening to it of who are leaders, right? Um, yeah. So what would you tell um, leaders in our business, particularly store managers, um, what can they do to support the LGBTQ plus community and their team members? I think I don't think you have to make a huge statement all the time. I think especially seeing we hire so many young people, 
For a lot of them, it's their first job that they will ever have. It's their first time branching out from their family and their school and kind of going into adulthood. I think for young people like that who are already maybe unsure of who they are or starting to question who they are or starting to develop who they are, they're pretty attuned to even small signals that you might be supportive of them. So whether it's getting behind Get it, Wear It Purple Day, which is a really easy thing to support, um, there's going to be lots of materials and pods and things, um, and just getting behind things like that to make sure that your young team members know that you um, are facilitating a safe space for them and whoever they want to be. On your um, In your experience as being a store manager, Susan, is there any particular resources that you've found to be quite helpful that have helped you support your team members that you could direct our other leaders and store managers to? Well, I was looking through today the new diversity and inclusion website, actually. Um, <laughs> there's lots of stuff on there and not just around LGBTQ but all around gender equity, cultural inclusion, accessibility, lots of really exciting things that go beyond what we're doing but really looking at Woolworths as a, a place of equality. Um, so that's pretty exciting. Um, coming very soon, there's going to be some new training modules and things um, late August that'll all start to drop, which will be good. So we might get, because um, Nick's our fancy pantsy editor who does all the uploading. So Nick, let's make sure that we uh, leave a link to the new DNI website for um, everyone to get a hold of in our in our show notes on the podcast. I will do that. I'll pop those in our show notes because uh, the diversity and inclusion website also has a link to our fabulous little proud website and our proud community as well. So I'm um, more than happy to, uh, to include that. So Susan, we always like to ask our guests to leave our listeners with one piece of advice. What would yours be to our listeners? Um, I think it would be that you don't have to be perfect to be a good ally. You don't have to know the absolute latest lingo and terms and all of those things. Um, it's great to be open to getting educated on things, but you can be an ally long before you have all of the right answers. It's important just to get out there and let people know that you are open to learning and opening, open to letting people express themselves however, however that may be. Yeah, I think that's great advice and that's what, you know, we've said this a couple of times before, it's it's not about, we don't need perfection, we just need authenticity and openness and for people to listen with an open mind and to then translate that into action. So it's not about getting things right. I mean, you know, Nick and I have said this a thousand times, we don't even get it right. We've still got a lot to learn and as does everyone. No one's an expert in this in this field because it continues to evolve every single day. Just be a bit genuine, I think, you know. And you're constantly meeting new people that have had different experiences. So you can't be expected to always know what their experience has been and what's right for them. So being open to hearing those and taking people's lead in what they're comfortable with and what they want to talk about. And yeah. yeah, exactly. Perfect. So thank you, Susan, so much for joining us today. It's been lovely having you on. It's been a hoot and a half. I was, <laughs> I was very <laughs> This is pretty fun. It's been a hoot and a half, girls. <laughs> Another episode under our belt. Now we are powering along and next week we'll be continuing with our super cute mini series. Who are we meeting next week, Nick? We are meeting another member of the super fabulous training and education squad from the Proud Committee, Casey. 
Yes, we're moving on to our next letter of the gay alphabet, and that's T. That's right. So Casey is going to join us and share with us his experience being a transgender slash gender diverse person. Now, I can't wait. It's going to be an awesome episode, um, and I would def definitely recommend um, people tune in. Um, so I've been very open and honest about this. I still have a lot to learn in the transgender, gender diverse space. Um, so I'll definitely be tuning in. I can't wait. Okay, you have to tune in, Dale. You are the co-host, so please make sure you show up to work. Oh, yes, that's right. Okay, I will. I will. Calm down, okay? Just calm your phone. So until next time, peoples, stay safe, shine bright, and be proud. Goodbye, lovely people.